This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Right, it's 10 minutes after 6 o'clock. Good uh, Thursday morning, Trinidad Tobago, Thursday, 13th October. Welcome to the Power Breakfast Show. Yes, Steve is still off. We wish him a speedy recovery. 
uh, but he is getting some well-deserved rest and I guess reflection of some kind. Good morning, Steve Khan. Good morning, uh, Richard and Wendell. I think Wendell is traveling today from that mistake and Ruben and everyone else. Thank you for joining us this Thursday morning on Power 102 Digital. Uh, because I'm running solo this morning, unless I'm going to talk for a madman for the next 40 minutes, we're going to invite your calls. The numbers are 222-8255. That's 222-8255. Or, and Ruben is saving me here, by the way. <laughs> 612-8255. If you're in the US and or Canada, it's uh 866-525-1099. That's 866-525-1099. 866-525-1099. Let's talk about some stuff this morning. You are my co-host for the first hour this morning until Mr. Ragobasting decides to join us. Uh lots happening in the news, of course. The fallout from that uh bombshell revelation by the director of public prosecution and good morning to shane too shane is in studio this morning they didn't trust me on the board this morning again after yesterday's debacle so they threw me out and they brought in shane this morning because i mean yesterday was a lot <laughs> anyway so we're going to open the phone lines and you, we, you could add your voices to uh to the uh situation shane will text me and tell me when you were called on the line but you know shane didn't open the mic at all not for a million dollars she didn't open the mic so he'll text me and let me know when your calls are up so give us a call prime minister dr keith rowley said uh, i'm reading from the express here uh, uh in in terms of questions oh uh, here we have a call good morning good morning good morning mr paul richardson how are you doing today i am well thank you how are you going i'm doing pretty good dude. These are who is this thank LA. you for calling who is this your partner from la boy Hey, what man? How was early this morning? <clears throat> well, it's quiet, a little overcast. The weather's starting to change now, that's so, you know. You're, I think it was a early. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on this yeah. situation, Mr. Rowley uh, says he did not act on his own advice. He acted from uh, advice from senior counsels to Gilbert Peterson and yeah. Douglas Mendes. What are your thoughts? Well, the question is this. Oh, first thing I want to um, wish my good friend Steve Kalas be recovery. And I want to say good morning to Richard Rakobasing and good morning to Mr. Wenders. He's wherever there. Um, mm -hmm. My thoughts on this, um, the question is, is did, did Mr. Awari get the right advice? That is the, that is the first question. The second question is this. When, the, when, when this Mr. Nelson guy came to Mr. It looked like to me, came to Mr. Awari and told him that about confess some crimes about corruption, and kickbacks on why didn't Mr. Awari refer the guy to carry the case to the police? Because I was always hear the Prime Minister say, if you have anything of wrongdoing, take it to the police. It looked like to me, Mr. Awari make a deal and then refer the case to the police for the, the way, so maybe, maybe I understand it wrong, but it sounds like he, he take the testimony and then the police, then the police interrogate the guy. So, Something not making sense there. The well, the day, Prime Minister has now added his voice, and he says, and I'm quoting from the Express here, he referred to Nelson yeah. on several occasions as some convict, right? Yeah. And quote, some lawyer, a senior counsel from the United Kingdom, comes to Trinidad Court, presents evidence that what he did plead guilty, was convicted, fined 2.2 million, agreed to turn state witness and talk about his friend, but the opposition leader's big point is that he, the gentleman, is claiming 
150 million in damages right so brian says all of a sudden legal fees are a big problem but i could tell you one thing i'll be the most surprised person as of now i know of no situation where any money was paid to any lawyer in any legal matter ending up in the pocket of any member of the government which i lead so prime minister okay. no waiting on this situation yeah but okay but also the prime minister said that but the prime minister he just speculated because the mayor name wasn't it wasn't charged. There was charged, but there wasn't innocent until proof of guilty. Another thing is this. So let me say, Mr. Nelson, this, this, this claim you have now, this civil claim for $150 million, what is in the public domain? So if you win, if you win that, if you win that claim, or if will he come and say testify, or if you lose that claim, will he, will he come and say testify? That, that is a big question because they give you the impression that well, they would have to refile the case now because the DPP has discontinued yeah. the case. Yeah, would they have the to refile the case? Now. Yeah. So the question is this now. So that civil suit, the, the impression I get of based on what they're saying in the, in the public domain is that the waiting, the Attorney General, General Amor say that when like when the civil suit is done, then they go to, then they go pick up the case again. So what guarantee them that this guy will come back and testify? And what, according to what you say, this guy' credibility is in question. And, and somebody called you and talk about yeah, there are state witnesses who credibility question. But at the end of the day, look what this one person has put this state of trend to be with for already. I tell you, so then and you're gonna put your faith in him again if he say you want to testify yeah. again if they reopen the case. I think not. I don't think I don't. My my opinion, I don't think he will testify again. The other thing is this: if he testify now. The other two men go file a claim and the say prime minister that, referring them as some convict, you know. Right. So they're going to say this case play out in the public domain. The can't get a free trial in this jurisdiction and the case go fall flat again. Taxpayers money will be down the trail again. And prime minister still nobody get money. But think about that, that time period and there are millions and millions of spent already on the case. Yeah. Because you, you know those. Yeah. Because the legal right, opinions Mr. that the former AG sought not freer. <laughs> No, they're not free. Douglas Mendes and Gilbert Peterson didn't give Mr. Harry advice when he was at AG for free. That's a normal because process was, in any state. I was listening to actually speak on the evening program yesterday with Richard Norway. And the guy saying that the brief, the MNT, the, 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 right, that the agreement they make, the state break the agreement. Because that is why the guy the guy sued for damages for $150 million because he was out of China all the time there. So you see, 150 million is soon for. So we, we, we're going to have to watch and see what's going on. We're going to see. Any All right, Eddie. Are thanks a lot, man. All right. Uh, I, I wonder if we have other calls. Uh, if we have, uh, Shane, you can message me. No, Prime Minister, Dr. Keith Rowley said, quote, no amount of manima threats are called for resignations related to his government. It is resolved to pursue those who commit white collar crimes. Speaking at the Diego Martin West Constituency Conference, the Prime Minister blasted the opposition leader and said the UNC saying, quit, if you believe that you, the UNC, make enough manima and threaten enough and call for enough resignations, that that would frighten the PNM government against taking action against criminals who distress this country. You have another thought coming. Don't waste your time, the Prime Minister said. He said that the opposition leaders and the UNC's position was that pursuing white-collar crime was expensive, so don't spend money pursuing white-collar crime. The Prime Minister said, quote, if you want to turn the table where the issue is now not so much about those who commit the crime, but those who admit to the crime, 
It's all about those who proceed to have them account for the crime. But we have none of that. What I want to declare here tonight, we are pursuing white collar crime. The price at the end is not the matter or the issue. It is whether we find culprits and put them where they belong. He said, and running interference on behalf of people who have matters in the court will not freeze us one bit. Every dollar we spend on legal fees, we can tell you what the money was spent for. So the Prime Minister is adamant that the approach taken was the appropriate one. And of course, here we have the Prime Minister says, I have no role in this. He says the situation where members of parliament were having to face the court for stealing public money. The biggest question being asked by the opposition and the media was, was the prime minister and where, where the cabinet in all of this? He said the prime minister of TNT had no involvement and no role in prosecuting any person in this country according to the constitution. So those who are asking where is the prime minister in the matter to do with the DPP's action uh, and the Vincent Nelson matter, the Prime Minister of TNT has nothing to do with the prosecution process against any person in the country. And as for the cabinet, we are not running a parlor. Matters come to the cabinet in a particular way. What matter would come to the cabinet for the cabinet to determine if a person has to do with to deal with state witness question mark? What the hell has that to do with the cabinet? That is the matter for the state's legal department, fully staffed by lawyers, headed by an attorney general the DPP and the courts. So why is the UNC and the media asking questions? So I guess that, that answers the question as to whether they, or may answer the question, let me see, may answer the question as to whether the cabinet was involved or knew uh, about that decision uh, by then AG Al-Rawi in this now explosive situation. Uh, more calls, Shane. If we have a call, we could put it up. Good morning. Do we? No calls yet. Okay, so once again, uh, we're taking your calls because I'll talk like a madman by myself here if we if we don't uh, get your calls. All right, the numbers are six one two eight two five five or two 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 eight two five five or five two five ten ninety nine for those in the US. So that that of course continues to dominate the 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 media landscape in Trinidad to be quite explosive that the case collapsed. Uh, and the DPP decided not to pursue the case. Many are loading the DPP as, as making the right decision in this situation regarding uh, Mr. Nelson. And he said that could have dragged on forever. And so he made a decision to discontinue the case. Another big story this morning is that the ghost of Value Trent is an express expose. The government is hit with a $2.5 billion lawsuit. Whew. Government has been hit with TT $2.5 billion or $380 million uh, US claiming from the Chinese contractors on the aluminum smelter plant as to the result of the cancellation of the project in 2010. Well, we all knew this was coming, huh? Uh, anybody who didn't know this was coming, living on that rock. This revealed by Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley at the Diego Martin Constituency Conference on Wednesday night. He said the Kamla Pasad Bisesa government improperly shut down the plant. Remember that controversial nutrient plant? He said in an attempt to diversify the economy. I think we have a call. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning, uh, Senator Richard. Good morning, sir. Hello? I think the call dropped. Sorry about that. Uh, can you call back, please? Yeah. 
And the Prime Minister said in an attempt to diversify the economy at that time, this is before 2010, the Manning government decided to build an aluminium smelter plant. It was quite controversial at the time. Some people who were comfortable with where they were and didn't care who got a job resisted, saying that the smelter would kill us, the citizens of TNT. He said, Bahrain, which is the same size as Trinidad and Tobago, was one of the world's leading pro producers of aluminium and is making money and living at one of the highest standards in the world, selling the same aluminium that they, those people who were opposed to the plant, said that would, would have killed the people of Trinidad and Tobago. He said the UNC came into office in 2010, of course, and shut down the plant and chased out the contractor. While they were in office, the contractor kept making their claims for the action. It was the UNC government that ignored it. They danced around it. They did ev everything except deal with it because they did not want you, the people, to know there was a cost to that political action. Dr. Roddy said it took a while for the claims to start coming after the PNM took office. But now the Chinese contractor was pressing for their compensation. Uh, well, I think we all knew, anybody who understands how these things operate anyway, that if you have a contract with a contractor at, at that level because it was a state contract to Chinese contractors to build this aluminium plant and that is scuttled for whatever reason I didn't get into whether it was right or wrong there's going to be a cost attached to that because they've invested the contractors wherever they come from time resources etc and have already put it in their books with expectations of a payment at a particular level so they're not going to just walk away from that and say, okay, well, tough luck. The contract is cancelled. No more smelting in Trinidad and Tobago or Trinidad. And we move on. No, they want the money. So I guess, what, seven years after? Or maybe just before? Information is coming from the Prime Minister that, well, a $2.5 billion lawsuit is at our doorstep. The Prime Minister went on to say that the project was well underway. In fact, the power station, TGU, was built and ready to be used. You remember that TGU was built to supply power to that aluminium smelter plant. All right, I think we, the caller is back. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, morning, morning. Morning, Mr. Patrick. How are you this morning? Oh, things, oh, things. I am there running solo. Good morning. solo. I'm on Shane on your side here, man. <laughs> well, Shane, Shane is providing wonderful technical support. You're yeah, ready, man. Ready, man. Ready, man. But you're doing better um, than me. Everything on the air this morning. Ratchet, you say you go by wherever he is, man. Enjoy yourself. Well, you he logs on when he logs on. How are you, he Mr. Patrick? No. I listen to the news report with the former attorney general. I take it in yesterday. Like, I realize that there's a conspiracy against the Attorney General. Eh? I don't know. You're the explaining. Former, I listen to you. The former Attorney General, like, like, like the case, start a point to he and not to the culprit on him. Only children don't think somebody, a man come forward and alleged he was involved. What, in what case against the former Attorney General, Mr. Patrick? But, 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 but the opposition leader. Like situation going to the attorney general. That is nothing new. But you said there was a case against the former attorney general. What case is there against the former attorney general? No, 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 no. Not a case. The case against Ramdeen and against um, Ramdevan and the former attorney general. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, that case. Okay, that attorney general. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that attorney general. And a man come forward and say, well, he he was involved in certain malfeasance. Is it? Not malfeasance. Crime. <laughs> no, <laughs> soften it up. He admitted it already. Crime. Crime, right. And with the wheeling and the dealing, as I said yesterday, the man was supposed to come forward now and do the part of the thing, and the man desire ain't coming away. And now... Everybody asking if the the ex attorney general Arari or him Arari if he know what he was doing and when the man bring all the evidence the man was on top board the man was on board from what I understand what he said I have said yeah, it sir? over and over Vincent Nelson is about himself preserving himself enriching himself keeping himself out of whatever confinement situation he may find himself in. And he will always seek his own interest. He has proven that over and over and over. So if you build a case around Vincent Nelson, you better be prepared to expect it to fall apart at any moment. Because Vincent Nelson could say something now and change the tune in three months. we have some kind of Mickey Mouse law here, boy. No, we don't have Mickey Mouse law. We have Mickey Mouse interpretation of the law sometimes. So we don't have powers like, like, like whosoever supposed to be in charge of the like the man of power, sir. And I can't answer America that question, Mr. Patrick. Looking for I have said over and over, I am not surprised because it's Vincent Nest involved. Good, uh, good, thank you, Mr. Patrick. Thanks for um. Good morning, Mr. Ragubasing. Yeah, good morning, Paul. Good morning. I just Steve. talked for 20 minutes when I served there and the two quarters hope pulled me out. Eh? <laughs> is Steve not here today again? No, no, no. Shane is in the studio. Oh, okay. The problem itself was rectified. What problem is that? Me in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you mean? Yes, the problem is rectified. <laughs> okay. I hear you. Thanks for logging on earlier than usual. Uh, so the, right. whole, the whole issue with, with um, the, what did the um the former AG say yesterday? Because he I said didn't... he was advised by senior counsels Gilbert Peterson and Douglas Mendez. Oh, you called names? Okay. Yes, he said that those are the persons who advised him with regard to the indemnity. Um, with regard to the whole situation, because because um. You'd have seen correspondence. Where did I see that correspondence? Assuming this correspondence is valid, he had also sought the advice of the DPP with regard to the entire issue. And that whole, I think the indemnity agreement and and the DPP gracefully declined and said, I can't give you any advice. You know, basically the, basically, my interpretation of the response of the um, DBP was 
that's your business to decide. I cannot advise you. Based on the letters that were shared. Yeah. My, my remit is my remit. And your remit is your remit. Your remit. Don't you bring me your advice account. elsewhere. Takes you ever. Exactly. And the letter, I think the, the, the letter, if it is uh, authenticated, said while being aware of the undue influence. Is that what it said? Yes, yes. Of yes, the possibility yes. of undue influence, which is not my intention. I mean, come on. Yeah, a version of that, yes. A yes, version right. of that. that. Well, that was in the letter of the comment. Yes. My mailbox was flooded yesterday with correspondences. Yeah, I got some of them. I was like, oh, Lord. The but Prime Minister, I, I said earlier, the Prime Minister was speaking at the Diego Martin West Constituency Office last night. And he said, quote, so those who are asking where is the Prime Minister in the matter to do with the DPP's action and the Vincent Nelson matter, the Prime Minister of TNT has nothing to do with the prosecution processes against any person in the country. And as for the cabinet, we are not running a parlor and matters come to the cabinet in a particular way. What matter would come to the cabinet for the cabinet to determine if a person has to deal to turn state witness question mark. What the hell has that to be with the cabinet? Question mark. That is a matter for the state's legal department, for the staff by lawyers and headed by an attorney general, the DPP and the courts. So why is the UNC and the media asking questions? Question mark. You never do ask me that motto your situ that situation. And with me. But the media will always ask. Does the media work? Yes. <laughs> the media will ask as a natural question, I think. Uh, the, the, was the cabinet aware of this deal? You understand? Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a valid question. He kind of distance himself from the cabinet from the whole thing there. Yeah, right, so maybe I'm interpreting wrong. He can try. <laughs> But did you think, from what you gleaned from what I read there, that he's distancing the cabinet from that? Well, he's he's trying to. Um, but is the attorney general part of the he's cabinet? To put up a, he's trying to put up a wall between it. Um, mm -hmm. But you see, the the wall becomes complicated in its foundation because the AG is politically appointed and part of the cabinet and part of the cabinet, and so our construct in terms of how our constitution frames issues and frames the relationship and reporting relationships between parties means that in a situation like this, there is invariably a connection, a connection? drawn between cabinet, the AG, and what the AG does. Yes. Because there's a reporting relationship. Mm -hmm. If you want to change that, then change it in terms of the constitution. I think people because are you, because you I can, think you it's can, a natural and valid question. A, I mean, you could move to a constitution where you have a completely independent AG or AG that is appointed by another process. I yeah. mean, you could you could tinker with how your arrangements are. One AG who reports who is independent and reports to another entity or another another arrangement. Yeah, you could go that way if you wish. But that's not the present situation, as but I understand. No, our construct is it's a political appointment. Yeah, uh, it's a senior member. In fact, it's the most the, senior member of after the cabinet. prime minister. 
after the Prime Minister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Precisely. invariably, if an Attorney General is caught up in some sort of issue, um, naturally it interconnects with your cabinet. People are going to ask if the cabinet knew. Yeah. And if the leader of the cabinet knew in any iteration, they're yeah. going to ask the question. Yeah. Because one can't imagine that decisions like this are made without at least the knowledge of the cabinet and the prime minister, you understand? They may, they, they may not have, uh, they may not have a, been asked for authorization or, or maybe they were, but I can't imagine that, uh, that they, they were unaware of the, of the, the rule, the, the, the rule that was going to be taken. We have a, we have a call. Good morning. Sorry. Thanks for holding. Hello. Hi. Morning. Paul. Morning. Yeah. yeah. Morning. Morning. Um, now, you all keep deliberating and, and keep mentioning that the case has collapsed. Right? And what happened is there's a discontinuation. And if you take it into context of what the DPP said in terms of why it is that he discontinued the case because of Mr. Nelson um, unwilling to testify this time based on the civil matter between himself and the state. And the DPP said that he has two options in terms of continuation of the, the matter or the, 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 the charges against the, um, the individuals themselves, right? So it's, it's not a matter the case has collapsed. Collapse means that it has, there's no other means of continuation. As far as I know, there's still uh, options. Uh, just just, just a quick question. As it stands mm -hmm. now, is the case continuing? The, the case is on pause. The case is not on pause. The case has been stopped. Discontinued means it stopped. It's not on pause. He right. said he so may uh -huh. continue at another point. But mm -hmm. as it stands now, the case has been stopped. That's what All discontinue means. Or he said he had the option of perform of um, given the, the the evidence that Mr. Nelson has uh, given as entering in in um, entered in the process on the court, right? Right, but he, he says he has the has... option. He has several right. options, but right. as so it stands, say... he says right. it has been discontinued. Am I interpreting right. the word discontinue wrong? No, well, you interpretation when when people say something has collapsed and you take it in context that these individuals have been walk free. When something has collapsed, what do you mean by collapse? It means that the elements that would have allowed the case to continue are no longer uh -huh. applicable. So and collapse is an applicable word. We're just right. talking and semantics, you know, but it, it, people can interpret it. It collapsed. Right. But in the, 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 the spirit of what is being preferred in the public, right, is this as if there's no other options of these persons because you all are, what I'm listening, right, in terms of you all are attacking the attorney general and looking nobody's at Nobody's attacking anybody, sir. Nobody's when, attacking when anybody. Is, when it is that is preferred in the public and you all asking questions as if the cabinet knew, then you are purposely seen or trying to put out to the public that it was a cabinet decision no, if we doing. ask a question, we're not seeing as a cabinet decision. Are you listening we're to our asking a question? Yeah, we're asking a question. So uh, because uh, you ask a question, you 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 we make went through the whole, something. We went through the entire interconnection between the attorney general and cabinet, mm -hmm. and that's your takeaway. 
obviously listening through a particular lens. Uh, clearly. No, I am sure there are other persons who would have probably taken it and listening to what you all have seen since yesterday, right? Because the, the, there's one side of the conversation that is being um, offered to the public. And nobody in this in actually talking about what it is that the attorney general mentioned in his um, his press conference yesterday as to the timeline of how events occurred, right? They are giving the impression that the agreement signed between Mr. Nelson and the state was done after he was convicted. If you read on the papers itself. Nobody in asking the question, or you have someone as a ex-prime um, minister of this country, political leader, opposition leader, right, being um, offering her interpretation of what event and how it occurred. And no, she's not taking questions, five questions to answer. Now, if Nelson, because you um, keep mentioning that he's not a credible witness based on his past, as far as I know, there are, per, there are previous cases whereby persons who are involved in notorious activities end up as state witnesses and offered um, offered um, evidence against other entities to bring them down. Now, the matter is about whether the information that he has preferred stands up in a court. Yeah. So then we discussed that yesterday. We discussed all of that yesterday. Didn't we discuss that yesterday? And we yes. said that it's it's with the defense attorneys the defense who raise to, issues to, of credibility right. on exactly. any witness right. that the prosecution so the, proffers right. or the so prosecution the, puts up. We said that's right. a, that's the responsibility of the defense, the defense attorney and the court right. process. So my question is this: You have an ex um, prime minister of China offering her opinion. And she's not being asked critical questions because there are evidence, well, based on what the attorney general stated, ex-attorney general stated, in terms of wire transfers, bank accounts, and all those things offered. Nobody is asking her questions. She's been allowed a free reign to communicate to the public and the press puppeteer what she is seeing and going along that line. But nobody's asking the critical questions of her. And why is that? For the past 10 years. What? For the past 10 has, years, nobody has asked her any critical questions? Has, has the, has the ex-Prime Minister, to your knowledge, ever sat down in a press conference and a person's asked her questions of who was on stewardship? But she, she, she gets asked questions, and she has been in interviews, but as who? to whether she is subject to questions now is up to her. We can't. Yeah, we, we, we have tried repeatedly to get on this pro program, and we have been lucky maybe once in the last four, five, six years to get her on a morning program. And even when other arms of the media have her before them in specific context or specific, they ask her. She, in very, in in very, very often, doesn't answer the question. So what you understand? Yeah, but but this current this current issue does not mm -hmm. emanate from the leader of the opposition. No, it doesn't. This current issue emanates from a decision by the DPP on certain circumstances that have unfolded in the public domain that jolted mm -hmm. conversation across the country. Yes, I am not disagreeing with you in that aspect. What I am trying to say, right, is that the conversation has to be taken in terms of the context. When it is that you, this is what you're saying, semantics, if you're saying that something has been collapsed, right? The common man when terms of collapse means that there is no other means in which pursuing something. 
right? And if they're saying this on discontinuance, and if it's in the context of what the DDP said, in terms of his options available to him, in terms of revisiting the thing, the, the, the case, the matter, right? He has options. And if it is that you are keep um, promoting that the person is not a credible witness, right, based on the line that it has collapsed, and you, you put those two together, the public forms an opinion that may not be correct. And that the is, public that can is form argument. whatever opinion that they want. They can get information from whatever the source is. They right, can get information my, from a TikTok video. It's, right, up, so, to, it's uh, up to the public to decide what they want to decide. You right, may see so through as, things through your particular lens. Other people right. will beg to disagree. Right, so other people will see it as an issue of the case maybe collapsing. Because even if the DPP was to reinstate or to mm. re-indict um, the, 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 the accused um, mm. in the case where he discontinued, meaning Ram Logan and Ram Dean, it has already created a scenario that feeds into even more information for their defense attorneys to bring it before the court. Okay. The entire scenario now, now gives them more fodder. Nice. So I appreciate, but I hope that you will appreciate that I am given my point of view. That's how it is. Exactly, but don't point. don't right? assume that uh, that uh, you are no, you're not just giving your point of view. You are trying to say that there is misinformation being projected and we're saying that that's not the case we as this entire scenario didn't emanate from the opposition or emanate from members of the public this and well, we are all receivers of the information as it unfolded right because well, certain constitutional positions made certain decisions so it is and my, goes back to an indemnity agreement and mm -hmm. goes back to um the dpp now saying x y and z and that indemnity so, agreement has been the subject of other senior counsel making making um, comments that were very public yesterday right. in terms of Pamela but, Elder and other senior counsels would have been. Well, well, will be I wouldn't take making Pamela people. Elder's thing as credible because she has the right to defend her client, right? So that's not a, yes. that wouldn't be at unbiased. So I'm just um, saying opinion. that you you yes. you are going to get other senior counsels, obviously going to be weighing in. Martin Daly already started to. And you're going to get other people weighing in on the entire issue. Right. So you have to... Right. So my final thing about this is what I'm trying to see is, has the Attorney General, in terms of the state making that um, that position, has anyone said that out it was an illegal act? Nobody said that. Nobody exactly. just said it was illegal. Right. Right. So, well... <laughs> This will keep going on and on. So I would like to thank you all for the opportunity in which to perform my... Yeah, and nobody said it was illegal. Nobody ever said it was illegal. People, I think people are questioning the, the, the propriety process. of it. But, but nobody I said he broke the law. No. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. All right. You know, like a cup of coffee, yes. But that's what the show is about, differing opinions. You have yeah. papers we are passing? No, I don't. So you have to do digital now. Let me go online then. I'm tired now, yes. I think I need a vacation. All right, it is Thursday, the 13th of October. Let's start with the Express. 
online. Come phone, not this morning, right? Uh, for Thursday, 13th October, let's start with the Express Online. Taxi driver chopped, robbed, and left for dead. Hmm. The ghost of Ali Train government hit with $2.5 billion lawsuit. Letters revealed a trail of letters between the DPP, Roger Gaspard, and then AG Paris Alrari uh, show that the DPP distances office from any of the situations. Well, uh, it, it, I don't want to go into more details about that, but that that's where the, the, the presentation and the online version ends. There's more tits. I don't want to give you the impression that there's not more. Well, let me read it just, some, just in case I don't give the wrong impression before somebody jumped on itself. All right, a trail of letters between the DPP and then A.G. Farsalari is showing that the DPP distanced his office from anything pertaining to the indemnity agreement between Al-Rawi and Vincent Nelson. Right, so that's the first paragraph in the story. TNT proving Tobago outage. Did Cabinet know about indemnity deal? Question mark. Prime Minister responds. Point 14 man missing. Suspect in custody for Tobago murder. Uh, let's go now to the Newsday Online. Nelson, to apply for unsealing of indemnity case, let the public know. Independent senator, budget doesn't inspire hope. PM, that's uh, Anthony Vera. PM, Nelson case, not part of cabinet business. Dying man told wife, take care of yourself and children. That's the uh, ceiling fans at St. George's College back to online learning, or ceiling falls, sorry, at St. George's College back to online learning. Eastport is paying schools benefit from learning program. Asia tells UNC MP state owes me no legal fees. Indigenous art exhibition at Venezuelan embassy. President Weeks urges prioritize eye health. Sport ministry gives almost 1 million to athletes groups. One dead and one wounded in shootout with cops in Celebia. And PAHO monitoring four diseases attacking the Americas. Let's move now to the Trinidad Tobago Guardian online for today, Thursday, 13th October. A robbery rejects blame for collapse of Ram Logan Ramdeen case. I took legal advice. So again, the word collapse. Maybe it's just not us. Kamala wants PM to break silence on Nelson Nelson's indemnity agreement. Heinz bashes tutors unconscionable protest in the wake of COVID learning loss. Mom who tried to set family on fire was caught on tape beating child years ago. Ceiling damage due to heavy rains shuts down St. George's College. First people's ceremonies, not demonic. Chief calls critics out of place. Woman wears curtain to enter government office. West says dress code being reviewed. And it's about time. And that could be our question this morning. If you don't want this dress code in government offices. Mm. Uh, young uh, young near fatal crash survivors urges others to never give up. Ruptured pipeline in Sandu affects homeowners and businesses. And library protests, residents, sorry, protest lack of jobs in the community. Uh, those are trending stories in your Guardian Express and Newsday for today, Thursday, 13th October, 2022. So while I look for the results of yesterday's poll. But if it is that you wanted to ask the the issue of um, dress code in government offices, if you could give us a little bit of that story with regard to the woman and the curtain. A woman went to a government office and was refused because she was in an armless outfit. Armless top, sorry. She went out, buy a piece of cloth, and rip it around her and went into the office. You're damn right. <laughs> yeah, she bikes some yards of cloth, rip it around herself and walk into the office and say, I covered now. Yeah, she's damn right. She's and it, it, it went viral on social media because of the, the, I mean, the abject, archaic nature of some of those arbitrarily applied rules and regulations. 
because some of us you go and they say you know so how how far should the sleeve be done one inches two inches three inches is it a thin strip sleeve is it you know can't go in, in a short pants can't go in, in slippers i mean you know some some t-shirts have they don't have a sleeve past an inch some have a cap sleeve what is applicable you know so nonsensical you're there to do the well public the arbitrariness of the application is what irritates me because one person inter interpreted this way and next person interpreted our next way so it's like wherever you don't know where you're going or coming there should be no dress code right so when you're before, doing taxpayers business before we um i want to say something about that we're afraid let me get the results of yesterday's poll uh, which is, do you agree with Pamela Elder that the millions of dollars spent in the case against Ram Logan and Ramdin amounts to misbehavior in office by Farah Salrari? Right, 11% of the respondents said no, 89% said yes. There's a total of 73 uh, voters in all. Right? Okay. So, uh, according to the story this morning regarding the woman uh, who went into a government office. I'm going to read it so that people get some context, you know. So, so that says, not my precy. Keep talking, Marco Basson. I'm going to find it here. Yeah. So that's going to be the subject of our poll this morning. Um, something totally disconnected. Well, not disconnected. It, it's something we've discussed previously on this morning program. Um, that issue of um, uh, dress codes in government offices and how they are applied when you 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 can't wear this you can't wear that you you meet a big certain often sometimes there, there are more things about about your dress code than there it's about reasonable information about what you come to do right uh, because they're so busy policing what you wear they had learned in the they had done in the guardian story this guardian story is woman wears skirt to enter government office west says dress code being reviewed right Come phone. Okay. Right. After being barred from entering the Treasury building to change checks on Monday because of her shoulders being exposed, Aruka caterer Allison Skinnerbacker stripped herself in a curtain she had in her vehicle and in, uh, unintentionally reignited the national debate on dress code in government offices. The Minister of Public Utilities said the policies are being reviewed. In a Guardian media interview in front of the Treasury, uh, Skinner Barker said she refused to accept the two options when she was refused entry after returning from home to change or purchase something more appropriate. I walked back to my car and the only thing was watching me with a plastic bag and a curtain and the curtain telling me, hey, look me here. I say, come, we're going to the bank. I picked up my curtain and went to the on myself. I went into the Treasury building as normal. They couldn't refuse. And it dragging all over the ground like a, like a trailer. <laughs> He dragged into the car. He had another girl dragging in the ground. So she put the pink curtain around her and went back in the treasury building. So that sparks our question this morning. It does. So do you think that the dress code in government offices needs to be reviewed? You're taking the, the record, Richard? Yes, I can. Yeah. Okay, all right. So do you think that the dress code in government offices needs to be reviewed now not all government offices have dress codes but quite a few do um so simple things you can't be in a three-quarter pants you can't be in sandals you can't be in open to this you can't wear a sleeveless oh it's a myriad of things um in in some of those offices 
So do you think that the dress code in gov government offices needs to be reviewed? That's our poll this morning emanating from that story a la the pink curtain that became a fashion statement. So do you think that the dress code in government offices needs to be reviewed? That's our poll this morning. 222 Talk, 222-8255, North Americans, 866-525-1099. Of course, people on the web and the app, you know what to do. Send your yes or no's um, via the messaging portal on those respective platforms. So 222-TALK, 222-8255, and North Americans, 866-525-1099. Do you think that the dress code in government offices needs to be reviewed, yes or no? That's our poll this morning. I know so many people that have given complaints about different issues, and sometimes it's, it's some obscure little officer obscure when not many people traverse and they go and they've gone in in their three-quarter pants or whatever and told no and i remember a friend who came from labre into Spain to go to office and was refused because he was wearing a three-quarter khaki pants and said no we can't see you because you have on a three-quarter pants hello yeah good morning good morning richard and paul and shane you're doing a good job. Anyway, um, yes, this um, dress code situation needs to be reviewed. In two, somewhere around 2005 and 2006, I was refused from the Port of Spain to the corporation because I had on a three-quarter pants. And somewhere about four or, five year, four or four years ago, since they put those offices in Richmond Street, when I was going to legal, because I had on sleeveless, I was also refused. And we keep mm. talking about it year after year. Nothing is being done. It's time to do it now. Thank yep. you very much and have a great day. I hear you. Colonialism yeah? going mad. So, we got a vote there. She's saying, yes, it needs to be reviewed. So, do you think that the dress code and government offices need to be reviewed? Yes or no? That's our poll this morning. Shane, you had a, a message. What on the comment? Have any message about as, as the yeses and noes, eh? Yeah, you'll have to tell us, Jane. You know, uh, good morning, welcome. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, all the good people there. This is Glenn from Queens. Good morning, yeah. man. How are you going this morning? Not too bad, not too bad. Yes, it needs to be reviewed. My wife just went to Claire Bar sometime last year, and she had her own armless and her slippers. They refused her from going inside the building. In let, let me give you a joke. The late Queen Elizabeth went into Parliament, armless, and gave her a dresser, and they didn't stop her. <laughs> you remember that? The armless dress you wear? In the Parliament, they're trying to be And no one dares take her come in here and do get it address. Cover yourself. Oh, my goodness. My wife went, she, she went to Clare Barrow in Port Leaders. And they said she cannot go in there with an armless and a slipper. Tropical country. Okay, have a blessed everybody. Same to you, man. Right? So so he said yes, it needs to be food. Um, the numbers are Richard. Two to two talk, two to two eight two five five. Um six one two eight two five five North Americans eight six six five two five ten ninety nine. Good morning. On the web and the app you know what to do. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Hello? 
Hi, Ibuyangi, go ahead. Okay. I find it should um, review that because I, I find it ridiculous to tell you that you cannot go to a slipper. What does a slipper have to do with you going to do business in there? What they should be doing is doing proper business and be more work ethical. In and, and having somebody who will through lunch hour and, yeah, sta- and yeah, staggerate yeah. through the lunch hour to shut down and the whole place. That, yes, one lunch hour. You, I am on lunch and I'm going to the office and they are on lunch. So nothing could be done. That is what they have to see. Not to tell people what clothes to wear. Who is buying your clothes for you? No government people is buying clothes. So you need to put whatever you have. I'm not saying that you have to go naked. But what is wrong with us sleeveless clothes? We like to yeah. talk about in the Americas. They should look at the Americans, how they dress to go to work. All in their newscast, what they wear. They watch what's on your foot and they watch if you have two hack polish and thing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, good morning. I think we have another call standing by. Good morning. Good morning. Hello? Yes, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Good food? morning. Definitely it should be reviewed, especially that, that slippers thing. Not slippers, but open toe shoes. That's a bit. Archaic, In a tropical a country. Colonial. In a tropical country, right? We, we, we need to do better. We need to come out of that colonial. Vestiges of the colonial to... past. I think yes, Elizabeth the late went into parliament with the armless and then to Hannah thing. Right. A little bit again, they insist that we wear hats and handkerchief. You understand? Remember how fast the new mask thing change? <laughs> yes. All of us and everybody right. can wear a mask. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yes. All right. Just before we head to the news, uh, and Shane will send us the votes that you are sending on the message board. Uh, clean and white. The power to clean and answer Makaya Group Company. It is now seven o'clock. That time check brought to you by Clean and White. You can use Clean and White bleach and disinfectant spray for a powerful, safe clean. Uh, the question which touches before we head to the news, and you can keep sending the messages on our message board. Yago Basing. Do, we Do you think that the dress code in government offices needs to be reviewed? That's our poll this morning. News is next. You have just finished washing and drying your family laundry. No! And you realize that food stains are still on the children's clothes. You should have not purchased that cheap bleach by the roadside. For anyone using clean and white bleach, this is not the kind of stress you will ever experience. You can trust clean and white's tested formula to properly whiten and brighten your laundry and to safely sanitize your home. Clean and white, the power of safe cleaning. This is your news bulletin from Power 102 Digital. Former Attorney General Faris Alrawi says he sought advice from two prominent senior counsels relating to the corruption matter against Anand Ramlogan and Gerald Ramdeen. The opposition leader, meanwhile, calls on the Prime Minister to break his silence on Nelson's indemnity agreement. Recommendations given to improve the ease of doing business locally. U.S. and Mexico to make a deal to end Venezuela migration. And Russia launches fresh strikes in Ukraine as Russian President Vladimir Putin meets Turkey's leader. Details in a moment. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.